Hello and welcome to the PD Performance Podcast. Today's episode of the podcast is a conversation with Ashling McCarthy. Ashling is a former Tipperary footballer, a former captain of the Tipperary football team, and is now plying her trade in the AFLW with the West Coast Eagles. We had a conversation about the upcoming season and the goals that the Eagles have for the upcoming season, as well as her role in the leadership group. We also touched on the amount of games that are in the AFLW season, growth of the game and her own personal schedule that keeps her in tip-top shape so that she can compete on both a physical level and on a psychological level. We spoke about how her body has adapted over time to becoming an AFLW athlete. We talked about what she misses about the GAA and we had a chat about physicality within the LGFA and what needs to change to improve the standard of the game and get more eyes on the game. So a fantastic conversation for you guys this time around. I hope you enjoy it. And if you do enjoy it, please remember to like it, share it and send it. Ashley, welcome to the PD Performance Podcast. We're back in the Care House Hotel. They're getting great publicity out of this podcast. Second time in two years we've been down here. Uh, fantastic to be back in care and fantastic to sit down in person because previously we had planned on doing the podcast potentially in Australia, but you're home for a few weeks. So how has it been being home? Yeah, first of all, thanks, Moon, for having me on the podcast and making the big trip down to care. Um, yeah, I know it's off season now, so it's been great to get home see family and friends and kind of just reset and refresh a little bit um just chilling out at the minute and then I'll head back down to Australia in a couple of weeks and back into the grind of pre-season then so just relaxing for the minute so you're heading back into the grind of pre-season are you looking forward to pre-season do you look forward to pre-season or are you happy enough with your off-season training at the moment or your pre-pre-season by the sounds of things yeah, I guess um, just kind of reflecting back on the last few years of when I've been playing AFLW and for the first three seasons, I actually came home and played Gaelic football. So haven't really had that real grind of the off season leading into the preseason. And last year, then it was a very quick turnaround between the seasons um, as the timings got changed. So we played two seasons in the one calendar year. So this is probably the first time I've really had like a whole six months off, which um it's good because I got to do a few things like go traveling and switch off a little bit but um it's definitely difficult you know especially trying to do running by yourself and that as well um so I am looking forward to getting back with the girls but we'll have a lot of testing and different things like that which is always a bit daunting but um it's a time I suppose I can just make myself a better athlete which I'm looking forward to as well so you're not one of those athletes that really enjoys training by yourself. That's probably why you play team sports because you enjoy the environment of the team and you enjoy driving each other on and spending time together as a group, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Like that's a major part of being part of a team and um, definitely enjoy like playing the games as well more so. Um, like everyone loves like talking out with your like best friends and um, getting out onto the field and you know, that real competitive side of it. So it has been a bit difficult, um, you know, training by myself, but definitely like when you have a few goals set, um, I've sat down at my SNC, we've kind of set some personal goals. So when you have something to strive towards, it is a little bit easier, but I'm definitely getting, looking forward to getting back in with all the girls and um, training together. Yeah. 
is there any stage so over the last few weeks when you're training by yourself and you're like oh I don't want to be here by myself anymore I'm sick of this uh yeah even my first weekend um back here in care I went for a run one morning um just down with the Swiss cottage is actually lovely scenic route um but it was freezing cold um and yeah my lungs are just on fire wasn't used to that so um definitely questioned it then um but no I'm I'm very lucky I've had a couple of injuries over the last few seasons as well so um being injury free and just being able to actually get better and get fitter has um been a nice thing as well whereas so um I know in 2021 I came back to play Gaelic but I had a knee injury to rehab from um, so I suppose I'm starting off at a better level now, fitness wise, and can just only get better, which is um, always good as well. So you touched on there that you had six months off, which is a really long off season. Uh, and you've had previous injuries in the past. So what sort of things do you try to take off the checklist on a weekly basis then in terms of your schedule to hopefully reduce your risk of injury going into what is a pretty tough season by the sounds of things? Yeah, um, I guess I sat down with my S&C and um, what our off-season kind of looked like was after the games finished that we kind of have our own adventure really on just staying fit. So me and my housemate uh, signed up for a triathlon. Nice. Um, so yeah, I was, um, just even um, character building. Um, the swim was definitely the toughest. So um, that was just a nice thing to do just to keep fit and, you know, keep fresh as well. Because often when you're doing the same running for football, you can get um so I was a bit burnt out in that regard and then come January we switched our focus back to more um football style pre-pre-season I guess so the non-negotiables for me at the minute are three gym sessions and three running sessions um and then we can do any extras really um they're a bit picky on our load like not Mm -hmm. doing too much k's in the legs um it's kind of set out with a plan so you can definitely do off leg sessions swimming bike pilates and things like that um which is fine but kind of stick to the running plan they give or if you are going to do an extra session that you kind of let them know just more so for those kind of load type injuries that you can get um so yeah that's kind of what i'm doing at the minute anyway um it's tough but yeah i'm enjoying it as well yeah it makes sense as well that given the running volumes that are experienced in the sport or you go through in the sport, uh, they have a very controlled plan in terms of on-feet conditioning, so they don't want you to stray too far from that. But you just spoke there about uh, additional off-feet conditioning and Pilates. Are those things that you do incorporate into your own schedule or do you find you get enough from the standard strength training and then maybe a few extras on prehab, rehab, uh, and then the running sessions that are programmed for you? There's definitely enough there, but I think um, especially as the sports become more professional, like you have a lot of time as well that you can prime your body. So um, I do enjoy swimming, obviously, in Australia as well. The sun's out, so it's nice to get into the pool. So even it's just like a 1K swim and it's recovery, but it's also a little bit of cardio mm-hmm. and it doesn't have any real effect on your legs and that. So you can do it the day before a session and um, still feel good. So, yeah, I definitely would do one to two kind of extras a week. Um, and then the running, if there was anything different, like I did step into Gaelic training there when I was back, I did a session last week and that's just like exposure to change direction and agility, which I wasn't really getting from our running program. So you can definitely add different things in, like they're really open 
to that too. Um, I think it's just as long as you're being honest. Um, yeah. And I think you'll get found out if you're not honest. That's when, you know, with the shin splints or, um, you know, a few people that have had stress fractures and stuff like that, um, if you're not fueling your body enough. So I think if you're just being honest with yourself and everyone in the program, um, things will go well for you. And sometimes injuries are unlucky, but I think with load, if you manage it well, um, that's the main thing. So you're having to run everything by them before you kind of go out and do it generally. With the extras that you now do fairly regularly by the sounds of things, was that something that you've started to do over time because you've been in odds for a number of years now? Or was it something that you were doing already when you went down there? Uh, no, probably wasn't something I was um, really doing. Like we would do recovery in that when I was back here playing with tape. But at the same time, like you could be training on a Tuesday evening, you're getting into bed and you're like, you know prepping for work the next morning and you're up straight into work and then you might have to get a gym session done so I think the fact that you just don't have like the time and like the resources as well I have everything at my doorstep like we have a world class facility as well where we have a swimming pool our gym the physios and everything are there so I think it's more so when I was exposed to that environment and every and all my teammates do it too um so I just think it's that environment you're in and you just pick up habits from everyone else and I don't really know what the turning point was for me but it's just definitely something that I've just added into my week now um and I just don't think about it whereas I do know if I was back here playing county I'd probably be working as a physiotherapist Monday to Friday where I'd fit all of that in I don't really know um so I just think it's the luxury of having the time um and the resources that enables me to to do that and hopefully then it will prevent injury mm-hmm. um going forward hopefully fingers crossed yeah but uh, sometimes it's unlucky as yeah, well. sometimes yeah. it just happens uh but that's the perks of they are the yeah. perks of being a professional athlete which is the draw to female players up here to go and play AFLW because you get to really push the boundaries of your potential by the sounds of things because you get to focus on your own physical and mental performance in the sport to a greater degree than you do at home because you have other stressors at home by the sounds of things yeah and like I always would have thought that I would have been pretty professional in my you know build up to games my training and that but I've definitely learned a lot from being in this environment and I think everyone sets the standard so high as well. There's you kind of can't not like work hard and do all these extras. Um, so I think I've definitely learned from that. And then I guess the position I'm in as well, I'm in the leadership group. So um one of the things is modeling behavior, especially to the young girls in our group. So um if us as a group can model that and just set that as the standards, is um it just brings other girls along with you. So I think. I've kind of learned from seeing other people that kind of peer pressure and um, that it's also important that I model it too. So I think over the last yeah couple of years, especially probably since I got injured, um, I've understood the importance of doing all that. And then as a physio too, I kind of knew at the back of my mind that I should be doing all these things too. So um, it's just about putting it all into practice. Now, you used the term peer pressure there, but what I was thinking the whole way through was it sounds like there's a great culture in the club and in the team of going the extra mile and doing the the small little extras that are going to help the team long term uh, and help you as an athlete. And naturally, when you see other athletes doing that, it's going to like occur in your head what you just outlined there. I should probably be doing this too. And then you're kind of pulling the group up with you. 
Now, you weren't initially in that leadership group in your first year. Am I correct in saying that? Uh, yeah. So I was at Western Bulldogs for yeah. a couple of seasons, then I moved across. And no, I didn't initially get into the yeah. leadership group. But my second season there, then yeah. I was voted in. And it's peer voted too, which is like, obviously a really nice thing to see that's what your teammates think of you as well so because um I suppose as a leader naturally probably would have been one in tip but it's not in like things that you do on purpose it's yeah. just more and I probably was more on field yeah. um just kind of like if we're down by a point trying to rile on the team and things like that so to go into a completely new environment and a new sport and be recognized for those kind of traits is is nice as well so it kind of gives you a little bit of confidence too yeah and you've quite a young team as well. So I did want to ask you, those behaviours and doing those small little things that you know are the right thing to do, was that something that kind of you gradually worked on over your first year and then you it kind of came to fruition in your second year and then you were happy to see that was recognised by the younger athletes or is it something that you're conscious of with around the younger athletes that you should be setting an example because you have quite a young squad don't you yeah and um to be honest my first season when I got there um like it's probably about making relationships as well and like I always will put my like head over the football and work hard for the team but things weren't like all rosy off the field for us either and I think we had like a massive review after my first season at Eagles and our captain Emma Swanson will speak about it now as well where we just had to be more professional and like not accept like walk past different standards that we we shouldn't accept really so um we set our like minimum standards before the 2022 season the first season and um we kind of all agreed to to them and like even just little things like wearing the correct apparel at training like even the same like socks like just such a little thing but if they're just non-negotiables you don't even have to work on them and then what we can work on is our football and things like that so it seems something so small but um it just means that you don't have to think about all these smaller things and not being late to meetings um just all little tiny things. And then those young girls, like that's just what they learned from the day one that they walked into the club. And that probably wasn't when I walked in day one, that probably wasn't the standards, but now it is. So the 17, 18 year olds that we draft know no different. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think definitely modeling and then just empowering those girls as well. So um, yeah, there's um, three of us in the leadership group this year, but I think everyone needs to be a leader too and we have like young 20 year old girls like Bella Lewis who's an up and coming leader and she has the authority to kind of lead and call people out as well and same as a 17 year old on her first year on the team so I think that's something that we learned as well um that everyone kind of has a voice mm-hmm. um and yeah I think it's just a really nice environment to be in and, um I think you know we're quite young but in two three years I think that will have a good impact on the competition absolutely and sometimes the most difficult aspect of setting the standards and setting the non-negotiables is not setting them it's it like enforcing is the wrong word but holding people accountable to it so was that difficult to navigate in terms of calling people out or was it something that you just did from day one after you set them and it just carried on through um well I'd be wouldn't be one for conflict um and having those tough conversations and that's probably something like that I've had to work on for my leadership style as well um so it's kind of different to 
well, like I was captain underage of tipping that, mm-hmm. but you wouldn't ever like go to these workshops where you learn about leadership and stuff. But that's something that we do in our program. So we'd have different operational meetings with our coach and that it could simply be about, you know, how's everyone on the track these days, you know, or this person seems a bit down. You kind of talk about little things like that with the coach and the manager. Um, but then we have a separate one hour like workshop with um, Glenn Short. So he's worked with a um, in a range of sports and we just learn about like having those tough conversations. How do you have them? Um, different things like that. And we work through different scenarios. So I think I've definitely been equipped with the skills to have these conversations. And I think people respect you a little bit more too. Um, when you just don't walk past the mm-hmm. standards and you know everyone gives our captain a bit of a slagging because if you're not wearing the right socks she'll call you out on it and she'll be fairly cross about it but um I think then they know like yeah like that's just something that we we don't do here and um yeah it's been a good environment to be part of and I think you know when you call someone out and you do it in the right way they take it on the chin and they know yeah so it's it's good yeah that was what was coming to my mind when you were talking about the hard conversations. I was like, if someone's wearing the wrong socks, do you just point it out? Because yeah, if they are I wearing the wrong socks, out in front of everyone as well. Yeah. So everyone knows, but... but there's no argument, is there? No, you're wearing the wrong weird. socks. They're just like, yeah, yeah, I need to do better next time. And it's something so small, but if you can't get those things right, how are you going to get the game plan right? Or you're prepped for a game. Um, like if you can't wear the right socks to training, how does that? give you trust in people that you can do everything else right. Um, so I think it's just a little symbol for kind of trust as well and just doing the right and thing. And buying in to what yeah. you're doing and yeah. driving elite level standards. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a it- good environment to be in. Like I probably hadn't been exposed to that before. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, yeah, having these tough conversations because even like around selection and stuff, like obviously it's the coach that gives that feedback, but you kind of you're not like molly coddling people as well you're like yeah okay that's what you've been told to work on so you need to to do that whereas sometimes I think before in sport like someone could be your best friend and they're dropped and you're you know just being like real nice to them I think it's just um I suppose it's professional and it's your job so I think the way we speak to each other it's with full of respect but um yeah it just drives each other on really as well yeah yeah 100 and it is the small things do add up and some of my players, my ladies are probably going to laugh at this because they, well, they said I was being grumpy last night because they were two minutes late to start yeah. the session. Whereas I think after we, we had a conversation afterwards and they realized I wasn't actually nitpicking about the two minutes. I was trying to hold them to an elite level standard of we start at the time that we yeah. want to start at um, and it's not just about the start time and that two minutes specifically it's what that might lead to down the line yeah but because we're in the early season in GAA I don't mind calling it out initially but as you alluded to there you want that to come from the players after a while so it sounds like you do have a very player-led culture but it sounds like the coaches are facilitating that by giving you the tools to do so by having those workshops yeah do you find that in terms of obviously the resources are a lot greater in terms of the AFLW but do the coaches in Australia take more of a hands-off role because it's a professional environment so you're expected to do the right things because you're being paid to play 
Um, yeah, I guess. And like just with the setup, like there's someone for everything, if that makes sense. Yeah. So like even, for example, if someone got dropped, like the coach will deliver that news and probably give them feedback on why and what they need to improve on. But if that player is upset or down, they have then the psychologist to go to. Whereas I think with Gaelic, like your coach or your manager is nearly every, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have to deal with, yeah, as you have to deal with people as people as well. But we have someone for everything like and we have, you know, our physios, our SNCs, our psychologists. Like we even have, you know, if there's something in your personal life, we have like a chaplain lady shannon or like if someone passed away there's someone to deal with that so um i just think yeah we're really well resourced and probably the like little difference with gaelic is um yeah the manager or coach has to be nearly everything all of them at one time um but we definitely do have a player-led approach as well where the players are given um a lot of freedom i suppose to speak to the group um call them out in standards and even give advice to like the first years we often get the first year players into a room and talk about even before round one like what selection and what the process entails how it would be um if you are dropped you know just take it that take your feedback and work on that even tell someone else why you're dropped so that they can help you work on mm-hmm. different things so um yeah I think as a as a players we definitely speak a lot more um to the group which I don't think we do as much in Gaelic when I was in the um team anyway but I think from what you've just given us an overview of there now, people will start to understand more of what life as a professional athlete is like, because often they think that it's just you turn up, you play a game and then you do a few training sessions during the week. But that what you just outlined there, the amount of meetings, the amount of conversations, the amount of conscious process about what we are doing, how we are doing it are we getting the best out of ourselves and constant assessment, reassessment on both a personal and a group level? That is going to, that's a full-time job. Like, Yeah, it is. And like, to be fair, this year, we're actually the first club that during the week we do one full day. Mm-hmm. Um, So Wednesday we go training, Um, like arrive at the club around half seven in the morning and we might leave at like 3 p.m. Um, So we've quite a young group that have left school and potentially working part time or studying, but we still have like our captain who's a firewoman, vice captain is an OT. So like they're working around that as well, um, as well as being contracted for 22 hours a week, but doing probably 30 something. Um, So, yeah, it's definitely it is a lot. And I think when I first moved out as well, like I didn't really have balance. I've spoke about that before where you know, I'd moved over, I was going to, you know, play AFL, I'm going to make the team, like, this is everything. My friends were just the Bulldogs girls that I just met, Um, didn't really know a lot of other Irish people. In Melbourne, Sarah Rowe was there from Collingwood, we'd meet up a bit, but then round one came, I didn't make the team, and, you know, I was devastated. Tip were back playing Division One in the league, I was like, what am I doing? And you question everything, but... I think from there I've learned that like I have a good balance. So yeah, as you say, like it is a full-time job, but I also have a very um good group of friends now in Perth. Um, a lot of Irish people. And to be honest, when I first met them, they didn't even know I was playing AFL. They yeah, they go to my games, but during the week, like they don't really ask me about it. And like they're friends with me for like who I am and not what I do, if that makes sense. So um I definitely sh- like striking that balance a little bit more and 
yeah, I'm really good friends with the Eagles girls and we meet up outside, but it's not my be all and end all either. Um, whereas before that's probably the group of people I relied on the most. And if things aren't going well in that environment, if you're injured, you're not getting played, like they're probably the last people you want to be hanging out with as well sometimes. So yeah. Um I think about striking that balance. But yeah, as you said, like it's definitely a full-time job. And I'm lucky in the sense that I can it can can be my full-time job, but there's other girls my age that have another profession and they're doing nearly full hours in that as well. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely a But lot. it's moving in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, we're one of the first clubs to do that during the week. And yeah, by 2026, the vision is that it will be full-time. Um, so there's a new CBA to be negotiated again this year, uh, which hasn't been yet, but looking for more hours, more games, um, a longer preseason, and all in the idea that it's a stepping stone towards being full-time professional so that the lowest paid players can be full-time basically whereas at the minute the lowest paid players probably need to have another job on the side unless you're like 17 or 18 yeah, out of school, school or in college, yeah. which is a lot of them as well because yeah. they're only getting drafted but so there's a couple of things there I that sounds perfect I think it sounds really really rational and a really nice way of looking at it that you have time away with friends that they're at the game but they don't really care about football too much yeah. like so you get to switch off and recover from football both mentally and physically when you're with them as well as that what stood out was when you talked about your first year and when you weren't in the team that must have been something so new for you because back here in Tipperary you were obviously captaining and then with care as well you're playing so how did you navigate that when it happened? Did that build a little bit of resilience in you? Yeah. And like, I probably like was very upset, like at the time when I got the news and like, I thought I was training well, but at the same time, I'm this Irish girl that had never played the game before, had who had two months of training done when you look back. Um, and it was an away game. So I was the emergency, which basically is if someone got injured in the warm up, I would have got a late call in. Um, so it was an away game. I got to travel to Adelaide, um, was in the dressing room, understood like everything that was entailed in like heading away on a flight, staying in a hotel, the time zones, all that. So looking back, it was a really good learning experience. And Adelaide were like a top side too. So potentially if I play- made my debut in that game and didn't perform, could that have been the end of my AFLW career? Potentially. So when I look back and then see that I got my chance a week later, against Geelong a home game um a big crowd it was unbelievable and I scored a goal and stayed in the team since and here I am five seasons later um sometimes I think you know things really do happen for a reason and I learned a lot from that and I built resilience and yeah at the time it was awful and I was like thinking you know I could be at home playing for tip and could have took the easy road nearly um but I definitely learned a lot from it and probably built my character a little bit too um but yeah, you'd still miss Gaelic and all that as well. But I think looking back at kind of how that unfolded, I think it kind of made me the player I am as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it probably showed you that you don't get anything for free out here. Yeah. Like, no, you definitely You got to work for it. Yeah. And you did. And that's yeah, just having a good attitude as well. Like I could have sulked for the week and to be honest, then you're not going to get in the team. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I was upset the night that I got the news, but then, you know, had to travel away with the girls and they all had to go play that game. Um, so, yeah, just being around them and you know, in having a good attitude and good spirits and encouraging them, I think probably ticked a few boxes for 
the coach seeing my character in that in- instance as well. So, um, yeah, I definitely learned a lot from it. And there's a lot of players that need to hear that as well, that it's okay to be disappointed. Yeah. But it's how you carry yourself and how you react to it and your behavior and your actions afterwards that are going to hold you in good stead and give you a better chance of getting back into the team. Because if you just sulk and make it about you, when it's not about you, it's about the team, then unfortunately the coach is going to identify, well, they, that person thinks it's about them and it's not. Yeah, um, So then I'm probably not going to trust them going in. As well as that, your teammates know that you're disappointed and they respect the fact that you're disappointed because most of them have been there too. But if they know you're disappointed, but you're still putting the team's best foot forward, they're going to respect that even more and trust you even more and probably give you even more encouragement to get into the team. And that's something that a lot of young athletes probably need to go through before they can start to adopt that type of behavior yeah definitely like I think you know if it was all plain sailing and now in my career something like that happened I probably wouldn't be as resilient whereas I think you know even getting injured and things over the last couple of seasons you definitely learn from it and yeah you're on a team for a reason as well so um, I think when decisions are made it's the best for the team and even if sometimes you might think that it's wrong um you just have to go with it because you're going to know it's wrong yeah no one's out to get you like it is just meant a decision made for the team at that point in time um and yeah you're going to think it's wrong but maybe that's when you try to prove them wrong then at training 100 that's why you're an athlete that's why you have the confidence in yourself um and you're going to think it's wrong because you want to play and you touched on there how you do want to play uh, and that's a real driver for you. You love playing games. And you also spoke about how there are less games in the AFLW season. I interrupt the podcast to let you know that PD Performance and Nutricate.com have teamed up to deliver the GAA Elite Athlete Blueprint. The GAA Elite Athlete Blueprint is a monthly subscription to elite level strength and conditioning programming and specific elite level nutritional assistance to improve your strength, speed, power, change of direction and conditioning ability for Gaelic games. We are interested in taking your game to the next level. We have 10 spaces available in the March cohort and if you're interested in signing up and taking one of those spaces, do not wait. Get in touch immediately, drop me a DM on socials or drop Kate a DM on socials with the word elite and we will transition you into the program and the platform as soon as we possibly can. We are really, really excited about what we've been putting together and can't wait to deliver it to club level players around the country. We are taking on the mission of improving the standard of care delivered in terms of SNC and nutritional practice to the club level athlete. So get in touch immediately, drop me a DM with the word elite, or you may miss out. And now back to the podcast. So obviously to contrast that with the GAA where you're nearly playing every week, especially if you're playing both sports, how have you navigated that? How have you found that having less games? Do you put more of an emphasis and more of a value on playing those games because they come so few and far between? And is there a part of you that's like, oh, I'd love to just play a game of football, like you touched on earlier on? Uh, yeah, definitely. And even Gaelic football, that is, being by the way, guys. home, like this week, I went to the girls' match against Leash there at the weekend. And yeah, I would just love to have been out there. And 
there a lot of the girls like Mary Curley, Captain, would have grown up through the ranks with her underage tip. Ash Maloney is one of my best friends from home. And just like seeing them out there, like you just love to be out there with them and just like enjoying it really. Um, Just when you look back, you probably reminisce and think like it's just class being out there playing Gaelic football. But no, um, the whole idea of less games, like um, definitely the season goes quick. It's over like in a blink of an eye, really. Um, This year is probably the first like year unaffected by covid so it was the real time that I realized how much travel that we do as a Perth-based team. So like every second weekend we had an away game and like some of them were like, it's five hour flight to Sydney with three hour time difference. Um, I remember going to Gold Coast, we had to fly to Brisbane and then get a bus out. So that was another like five hours, get a bus out to Gold Coast an hour. Then there's a two or three hour time difference. And then we had to get up and play the next day. So um, definitely took a toll with regards travel. Um, but I would definitely like to play more games. Um, and I think that's the idea. Like we don't even play every team once, like there's 18 teams in the competition now. So even just out of fairness, um, for the whole league that you play everyone once and see where you're at then and have a final series. But, um, yeah, with just 10 games, but hopefully this year, maybe you might have 11 or 12 plus finals. And yeah, I would love to get back playing Gaelic. I played, a little bit last year coming back from my wrist. Um, I just played a couple of Gaelic games so was out in Perth, um, just like friendlies, mm-hmm. just getting back into more of the change of direction for my legs and just catching a ball again. And then that led me to be able to play Waffle, which is um the amateur league in Perth. So played one game just to tick off my um rehab heading into preseason. So that was nice just to have that done, I guess, you know, like running and Junior conditioning is never the same as a competitive game. So it was nice just to have that like box ticked before I headed in back to training with the girls. But yeah, I just love out playing. I'm very competitive. So as everyone is that plays sport. So mm-hmm. you just want to be out in the in the ring. <laughs> yeah. Somebody got an absolute land when you turned up to play that GA match or that football match. And they thought they were going to be playing a decent level over there, or a decent standard. But uh then uh the Russian <laughs> forward temporary captain. Um, was that a foot? Was that a GA match? Or was yeah. It so I joined um, the Western Shamrocks. So one of my yeah. really good friends out there, um, Amy Mulholland, she yeah. got drafted by Frio this year. That was the club she was at. Um, so yeah, I just said I'd join up and played a little bit of like a sevens tournament. Um, oh, okay. Uh, that was in Perth. It was just like real friendly one. And that was probably the first time I got back into match stuff after my wrist. And then there was two league games. Like it wasn't even championship out there as league. Um, But like, it is a fairly high standard. Like there will be like X county players across different teams, but yeah, it was just like good fun. Like, and just loved, you kind of just play with a bit of freedom, especially when you haven't like been able to do it for a while. And like the the shackles are just off and you're just enjoying it. There's no pressure either. Like, to be honest, a lot of people probably didn't even know who I was. So <laughs> I'm sure um, even though you were having fun, though, you were still pretty competitive. Yeah, definitely. And one of the matches got fairly feisty, actually. There was a few yellow cards and everything. So um, but I think that's always the same in GA, isn't it? Um, but yeah, it's a nice environment then, and people like you know, meet up afterwards, then you could even have a few drinks in the clubhouse mm-hmm. and stuff. Like it's a really good way to meet people out there, and that's probably how I met a good circle of Irish friends now too in Perth. So given that there's less games and there's obviously drawbacks to playing less frequently, are there any benefits to playing slightly less frequently? Like, does it allow you to be 
physically at a better level come the next game despite the travel circumstances that are obviously placed on you guys because you guys are in part um yeah well I guess during the season it's still fairly full on like you play every weekend yeah um so the fact that there's little games like when I broke my wrist this time last year I broke it in like five minutes into round four and then that was my season over. So there's kind of that where it's like, if you get an injury during the season, even if it's like a hamstring, you can mm. potentially miss half the season. Whereas then on the plus side, having a big off season, like I know a lot of people can go get surgeries, um, do their rehab, fix up any niggles they have and be fully fit for the following season. Whereas sometimes in Gaelic, like you have a lot going on, you finish county and then you're like, oh, I'll just play club and you could still have that niggle. And then if you're in college, you're playing colleges at the minute and then you're back in playing league. And there's not really that time where you can kind of prime your body or get things fixed up. Um, But at the same time, when you're in the mix of doing all that, I think you enjoy it too. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you're kind of out of it, then you kind of realize how hectic it really is playing the GA calendar. But um, yeah, this is probably my first time where I've had this amount of time off Mm -hmm. um, and I just have goals, I suppose, set that I'm going to try hit. But if I could, I definitely would love to be back playing Gaelic. So other than the games and obviously being around the girls and whatnot, what are the other aspects of the GA or Gaelic football that you do miss other than playing the sport, like at both a club and a county level? Um, I just miss even just like being at home like it is, um, you know, it's unreal to be in Australia, um, a really good opportunity, but like you're so far away from your family and friends and little things. And um, I think when I'm playing Gaelic as well, I just, you don't even think like it just comes second nature to you. And sometimes that's what I miss because a lot of the time you can be second guessing yourself playing AFL and I've got much better and I've been playing now for five seasons. So I kind of do know the game, but there's still this thing where, oh, I haven't played this since I've like six or seven. So uh, maybe I don't know everything, um, but I think you kind of need to back yourself. But I think when you play Gaelic, you kind of know yourself when you do something right or do something wrong. Um, whereas in AFL, I probably still second guess myself a little bit. So I probably miss that kind of mental side of it where it's not as taxing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, just probably being busy playing Gaelic as well. Yeah. Like at the minute, I probably would love to be playing the league and, you know, even though it's freezing cold, but if there's something about it that you're just like, you you like doing too. Um, but yeah, no, I do miss it, but maybe I'll be back in yeah. a couple of seasons, maybe, hopefully. Well, you're losing They have me back. <laughs> yeah. Um, it sounds like you're on your toes a lot in Oz because you've only picked up the sport so recently. Um. Is there? There's not really a chance to relax, other than the time you spend away with your your friends that aren't interested in football necessarily. Uh, is that something different from when you were playing football back here? Yeah, I don't think I had to think as much or learn game plans as much. Or you know, there's always something I have to work on for like AFL. Even my kicking, like I actually don't have a bad kick, but I You're scoring kick a different two goals anyway. <laughs> yeah, but I just have a different style, so. We're still probably trying to tweak that a little bit. Um, we're constantly doing skill sessions and in the midfield where you are, that's where a lot of the like center bounce work is. There's all different plays for that. 
um there's different body work you can work on like it's a lot more physical and when you're trying to make that gap between a player it's often before you get the ball so you might have to work on like venom hits is like basically getting them right in the chest so that you can get that advantage and like the timing of it these are all things that like each week there's like something to work on whereas I think in Gaelic like yeah I was taking freeze and I'd love just taking a bag of footballs off and I'd just go kick in 20 minutes by myself but there wasn't a lot of thought in it either like I had my routine I had my practice and I'd take it off whereas I think with AFL yeah there's a lot there can be vision that you look at with the coaches there's yeah I just have so much always to be kind of working on and everyone does um whereas I think with Gaelic I was a bit more free-spirited and um less thought yeah Yeah. you turn up and you just turn it on (laughs) oh that's a plan but I don't know that was always the case uh it sounds like like you probably have adapted as an athlete significantly to the sport because it is very different even though there are similarities like just to touch on the physicality there do have you had to get much stronger and much more robust and able to both tolerate those hits and hit other girls as well like tackle them um, with a venom shot which sounds yeah. rotten to be honest that sounds like what it is definitely like um I guess like I've always done the gym with Gaelic but I think there's definitely more of an emphasis on like strength testing mm-hmm. um being stronger in the gym and like it does translate onto the field um I'd always be strong through my hips but I probably need to work a little bit more on like my upper body strength um and like you'd be caught out if you weren't strong in the gym um, because other girls would be so yeah I've probably done more of that and like we get DEXA scans and stuff mm-hmm. and I've put on a lot more muscle than I would have when I played Gaelic and then it's just trying to find that balance of also having my running capacity as well as my strength um so that's kind of something that we're going to work on this preseason. whereas I probably didn't have as much I was always strong playing Gaelic but it was probably that more through the hips and that um and I didn't have as much muscle on mm-hmm. um so definitely more of an emphasis on gym work. Um, whereas I reckon before Gaelic, if it was a match coming up, I probably wouldn't like, oh, won't bother doing that gym session. Might be a bit sore for the weekend. Whereas now it's like not three gym sessions a week. Mm-hmm. Like I get it done. Um, and like just as a disclaimer as an SNC coach, don't <laughs> say what Ashley just said there. Get the gym session done, please. Yeah, <laughs> and like your body adapts. So like at the start, like and even the start of like our new program like I was so sore like I'd be trying to go do my running and be so sore from the gym but now I'm like into like week seven of our program at the minute and I'm fine um so it's just about adapting whereas before the back of my head I probably would have been like performance over Mm -hmm. everything else Mm -hmm. but now I understand that they actually go hand in hand yeah Yeah. match day performance more so yes which comes from the GAA because there's a culture of because you're limited in terms of players at a club level oh, he's not training, he's injured, but he's going to play the weekend. Or she's, yeah. she's not training this week, she's away, but she's going to play the weekend because she's class and yeah. we only have 17 players or whatever. Um, So that's kind of crept in, but I think the two things that you've said, they're really high value is you're in week seven already of your off season. You yeah. haven't even started your preseason. And it sounds like initially it was quite difficult, but you pushed through it. Yeah. And now you're in kind of a realisation phase when you are performing at a high level, but you know that when you go into pre-season in a while, there'll be another period where this is hard. Like I want to scrap some of this volume, but, uh, and some of this, and I want to scrap a couple of these sessions because I don't feel I'm able for it. But 
you don't get better at what you don't work on. So no. if you continue to go through it, hit the right amount, then you'll come out the other side a better athlete, which it sounds like you have. Yeah, and it's just like even the importance of all the smaller things like your sleep, your hydration and fueling is a big thing. Um, whereas, yeah, if you skip a session, but then if you're not doing everything else, you're not going to be better either. So I think when you are in the middle of it and it's like a high volume training, like you're doing a lot in the gym and then you're trying to run high kilometers during the week as well, I think it's all the other things and but what we spoke about at the start like doing a pilates get moving like active recovery swimming those all add to your recovery too mm-hmm. um and just make your body a little bit um feel a bit better i suppose yeah, yeah but definitely it goes like it feels a bit easier and then you're nearly like um i suppose false confidence and then the snc will change the program a little bit and your body will be screaming at you again but that's the um, idea yeah that you get used to it though yeah you kind of know when everyone else feels the same too and we're very open about speaking about that as well so but it sounds like because there's such an emphasis pay, placed on your physical performance it probably and it does impact on your physicality on the field and then following the weekend a couple of tweets go out of videos of ladies football matches where there's been a bit of physicality on the attacking side uh, run and, and they've got done for barging because it's a non-contact sport but we both know that it depends on who's refereeing the match how much contact you can have in the game what is your own personal perspective on where it's going because I spoke to Orla and Orla just thought that things had to change because the commitment level from the GAA athlete isn't that far removed from the AFLW athlete. And they're doing so much work in the gym, but they're not able to output it on the field because they're being limited by the rules, which are, in my opinion, a little bit ancient. Like, Yeah, so I first got into the TIP um, senior setup. I was 16, so 2013. Mm-hmm. And like... I was small enough and I would have no bother of made like the team and been able to play against like girls that are 10 years older. But I think now the emphasis on strength and conditioning, like girls are a lot stronger, a lot fitter um, and just better athletes. So yeah, I don't, I think there's more of an emphasis on being stronger and all of that, but you're not within the rules. Yeah. You can't use your strength. If that makes sense. So I think definitely there needs to be a tweak. And I know the camogie, um, change it up a little bit and I think it will just add to consistency as well like if you change those boundaries a little and allow a little bit more contact then the refs have more like I suppose less of a boundary or yeah yeah if that makes sense they have a guideline that yeah whereas now it's kind of like there is physicality in the game you want to let it flow but then sometimes it's inconsistent and yeah I think just even the last few weeks there's been a lot of that barge rule and mm-hmm. To be honest, back when I was playing, I used to be an expert at putting myself in front of the runner and flopping and getting a free. It was a handy free to get, but I think there was You're not one, the only one doing it. Yeah, and I think there was one game where it could have been Ashling actually was the person that barged and she got a yellow card. Then I was the person that got barged into, but I still got the yellow card and then something else. There was like three of us on the sideline one day, Sinbind, but for all the opposite yeah. of the same rule. So, yeah, I think it's just... And that just shows how hard it is to referee as yeah, well. Yeah, Because the referee is thinking that they're making the correct judgment on all of those yeah. calls. But because of the rules, it's 
extremely difficult. It's a judgment call at the end of the day. Doesn't sound like the referee was in your favor that day. Though. No, I think Darfson got relegated as well, so it wasn't a good day. Um, what do you think making that tweak would do for the game in terms of growth of the game from both a viewership and a participation standpoint? Do you think it would be positive in both regards in terms of get more eyes on the sport? It would be more entertaining to watch, slightly more entertaining to watch. And then as a result, maybe participation levels will go up. Or would it be the converse where some uh, parents mightn't be uh, mightn't feel that it's safe to put their girls into it if it's getting more physical? Um, no, I think that it would help the game and it would just allow that free-flowing game as well because um, rest wouldn't have to pull up on little things like even a little shoulder and that and girls get rewarded if they are doing their work um, in the gym and stuff like that and um, I think just the publicity in the league the last few weeks like on Twitter and stuff has been about these frees when I think you should be showing like unbelievable scores, yeah. skill, and I think sometimes when you have all these talking points, it overshadows the game. Yeah. And like, that's all I've seen really. Whereas like, it should be highlights of girls, like scoring points, goals, even if it is a big hit. Mm-hmm. Like I know Aileen Gilroy, um, one of my friends was playing with North Melbourne one year and did this unbelievable, like running dash and bump on someone. And that went viral because it was actually a really well executed, like physical skill. Skill. Yeah. Um, rather than if that's shown as a free and everyone's given out in controversy. Um, so I think it actually would help the game and it would take away some of the controversy that's happening recently. And that's that's the thing as well. That's the argument that you get from some of the coaches that aren't in favour of AFLW and Irish athletes going over there. It's not really their business anyway, what the athletes are doing, because the athletes are doing the best thing for the athlete. But they say, oh, sure, there's no skill in a hit Whereas you now know from all the work you've been doing and from being down there, there's tons of skill that goes into manipulating somebody else's body weight and uh, putting in a dominant tackle, winning the ball and uh, winning the ball for your team. Yeah, like even picking up the ball safely, it's a skill itself. Like you don't go down with your head first, you'll break your neck. Like that's just, so you have to turn your hips, but like you have to time it enough that you're protecting yourself, you're also getting the ball and then you're able to exit out of that congestion too. And then little things I just spoke about, like in the midfield, especially like you're one-on-one and you're basically in a tussle with someone. So you need to be able to manipulate their body weight to get that two meter advantage so that when you do get the ball, you have time to kick it or handball it to a teammate. So these are all things, yeah, they're physical, but the amount of hours that we put into actually being able to execute them, like people wouldn't know. And the game can look scrappy when you look at it. Um, it's a very high pressure game. You don't have a lot of time on the ball and it's a territory type game too. Um, but I think when you look at it, yeah, when I probably first saw it, it's not as, I suppose, up and down as Gaelic football. It doesn't seem when you look from the outside as much tactics, but it's probably more tactical and that as well. So um, I think if you know more about the game and understand it, you understand there's more skill. But I do know that if you just look at it, you turn on TG Carr because yeah. you know a few Irish girls are playing and look at it, you'll probably be like, what is this? Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that's think, exactly it. You need yeah. to commit to it and watch a bit of it. You can't just cast your eyes on one game and make yeah. a judgment on that. It'd be the same thing if you 
if uh, an athlete or a coach or whatever watched a game of rugby for the first time, they'd be like, what's this? It's so, there's no tactics yeah. in this game whatsoever. Whereas if you sit down like lots of people are at the moment and watching the Six Nations, watching Ireland play well, and uh, you see the moves and you see the tactics and you watch the breakdowns at halftime, then you see what goes into the preparation and how fine detail everything is. And it's a similar thing in AFL. You can't just sit down and watch one game and pass judgment on it. You have to actually know the game a little yeah. bit before you make your judgment call on it. But then, so you did speak about, you talked glance past it but you said maybe in a couple of years coming back and playing temporary so what are you thinking in terms of the future now you don't have to answer specifically from a a sporting perspective but professionally as well like because you you spoke about practicing as a physio when you were here is that something that you miss and something that you want to get back into and then it really does sound like your heart is still kind of in Ireland from our brief conversation. Like there are things that you miss here. Yeah. And that's probably the question I'm asking myself um, still, but this year, anyway, I'm signed for the like year coming up. Mm. And then in March is like the next sign and trade period. So if there's any like extensions on contracts or anything like that'll be a conversation that'll be had then. Mm -hmm. Um, So potentially have to make up my mind around all that too. But um, to be honest, since I got injured, I probably realized that I was going back and forth between AFL, W and Gaelic and probably not given either 100%. And then got injured, like our conditions of our contracts have got a lot better. Um, the resources I have at my doorstep in Australia and just the Australian lifestyle, I guess I never really gave it a full go. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I left in October 2021 and I probably thought I'd be back last season to play for a tip but when I broke my wrist I was like no I have to give this 100% and I rang Peter Creedon and had a good conversation with him and he understood where I was at with wanting to I suppose see out Australia and you know it could be something that in a year or two I come back or it could be something that I really enjoy and want to stay out there so I still don't know um but I would love to play for tip again um I don't know when that would be and if they'll have me back or, or any of that, but um, definitely don't think I've hung up the boots with regards to Gaelic football, but I don't know when I can fit it in as it's getting more professional over there. And the terms of my contract at the minute are, unfortunately, I'm not able to play, but I understand that I'm in a position where I'm in a leadership group. We're young and upcoming team and we're setting standards. And for me to not be there for preseason, then it just contradicts everything that we're about really. Mm-hmm. So I kind of understand that from a club standpoint. And then, yeah, with physio, um, I liked having that balance of like, you know, having your profession. Um, I, In 2020, I worked in Port Leash in the hospital and I really enjoyed that environment. So it's probably something that I'd love to get back into. Um, So I've my registration for Australia in the pipeline as well. So I've, it's a few loops to um, jump through, but I've got my registration in New Zealand and basically have to transfer it across to Australia. So I'll do that in the next couple of weeks. But then when football and everything starts back up, you're fairly busy. Yeah. Um, like we have a lot of hours that we have to commit to for that. So it might be something that I maybe do a bit of like locum work where you can pick up jobs here and there, like casual hours or else maybe in the off season I do a bit. But yeah, I'm keeping all options open, but I don't know 
what sounds I'm doing. Like it's, it sounds like there's lots of different avenues you can There is, and I don't know what I'm doing, to be honest. But um, yeah, when but you're, you're focusing on this season, this yeah. year, and what's in the here and now, which is obviously to the best benefit for the team and probably for yourself at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And like, I enjoy it. And when you're over there, you're in that bubble yeah. and you want to stay there and then you come home and I just like loved being home the last couple of weeks as well. So um, yeah, you kind of probably have to think of everything and make a decision then. But at the minute, yeah, I'm enjoying playing AFLW and being in that environment. So I probably will do it for the next little while. What's rare is wonderful though as well. Yeah, so like and the grass is always greener yeah, too. <laughs> for a couple of, couple of weeks of seeing everybody um, doing the things that you don't generally get to do in Oz, like that's obviously uh, going to be a welcome reprieve from the intensity of AFLW, and that's what it sounds like. So we'll move on to quick fire fa- questions to finish. First one is proudest achievement to date. Um, I probably have a couple. One with my club, um, I think it was 2016, we won the Camogie All-Ireland, Intermediate All-Ireland, and I was actually the captain. So just even getting to, you know, uh, walk this up the steps of Crow Park was unbelievable. And like our whole town was there. And we actually came back here after um, we got a bus into the town and just there's videos of like just the streets full of people and like everyone was out. And that was like unreal. I think it just brought a lot, a lot of happiness to the town too um so that was definitely one and then um my first All-Ireland with Tip um in 2017 as well and I ended up getting player of the match and like yeah it's an individual achievement but looking back like it's something that yeah I'm kind of proud of um on the biggest day the biggest stage so I think that's one as well that I'll cherish deadly favorite athlete of all time you can't uh, say Ashley Maloney <laughs> <laughs> oh she paid me to say that <laughs> no um I suppose, like, to be honest, like, Gaelic football is something that I always watched growing up. And, like, the Cork ladies footballers were um, people I looked up to. And I love, like, Juliet Murphy, like, the playmaker at midfield. So, Gaelic football-wise, probably Juliet. And then um, another sports person, like Katie Taylor, um, just growing up as well. Like, what she was doing for women's sport um, and just, yeah, the Olympics, all that. And she holds herself very well and has kind of won everything she can in her discipline so um I think yeah those two what's the biggest thing you've learned in the last 12 months um probably just from being injured just to like give things 100% um just kind of what we just delved into with regards as probably dipping in and out being comfortable being six months at home six months in Australia and just getting outside my comfort zone and just like giving something you're all and not being afraid of potentially even failing with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think just yeah, diving into the deep end and going for things is yeah, important. And I probably learned that in the last 12 months. Nice. What would you tell your 18-year-old self? 18, what was I doing then? <laughs> um, probably just to continue like enjoying sport, like not putting pressure on yourself. I think um you know, even when you're doing well, that's probably when the pressure is at its highest as well. And just not to get too high with the highs and low with the lows and having that balance. Um, even I spoke about when I moved to Australia and everything was revolved around AFL at that time. So I think just having that balance, having friends outside of football, but then, um, yeah, if you're playing sport or whatever it is, just like understand you're in a privileged position and just have fun with it and enjoy it I think is the main thing awesome 
Thanks a million, Ashley. Great Thanks conversation. It was fantastic. And I wish you the best of luck this season Thank in you. Perth. Uh, hopefully you guys can win a couple more matches. And it sounds like you're building in the right direction anyway. So uh, we'll be keeping an eye out to see how you do. Thanks a million. Thanks for having me on. Really enjoyed the conversation.